Hello and welcome to the Chief Home Officer Podcast. My name is Thomas and this is a podcast about being a stay-at-home dad. I intend to explore the many facets of this important job and hope you join the conversation. You can Okay, buddy. Uh, I'm going to have to apologize for the background noise and what I hope will be minimal interruptions by my kids. Uh, I'm not going to have any alone time to record this this week because my wife is away on business. Uh, but anyway, um, I hope you join the conversation. You can contact me at chiefhomeofficerpodcast at gmail.com. I also have Facebook and Twitter accounts, and you can use that email address to find me on those social networks. This week's topic is uh, the differences between men and women as primary caregivers. Um, And of course, these are just the things that I've noticed and not true for every couple. Um, I also have to say that I don't have a ton of first-hand observations of the female primary caregiver other than what I see out in public. Uh, because my wife has never been a stay-at-home mom. I'm admitting right now that my point of view is a little skewed. Uh, The first thing that I noticed was playground interactions. Um, I saw the greatest divide um, in risk aversion. My wife talks about risk aversion uh, quite a bit. Some of her work involves looking at companies and evaluating how risky an acquisition would be, and she's very good at it. Uh, when she saw me riding my bike with my son strapped to my chest in a baby Bjorn, I heard about risk aversion for quite a while. Um, I'm still not convinced that he was in any more danger than being in a bike seat behind me. I've never fallen off a bike, but if I did, I think that a kid would be more safe landing on top of me and my soft, squishy body than the hard ground. Um, but anyway, uh, I've, I've seen this... Uh, risk aversion played out at uh, playgrounds with other moms. Um, Last week I mentioned an example where I was letting my daughter climb up a rock formation and a mom rushed over and chided me for letting her take the risk. Um, I also remember back when we lived in Michigan uh, and how I would take my kids to this um, place that had a giant two-story high inflatable slide and other cool obstacle courses. Um, On most weekdays, we would end up being the only people there. Um, And my daughter, who was almost two, got tired of watching her big brother climb and play uh, without her. So I went up with her a couple of times up the ladder and down the slide. And when she felt confident, I let her do it by herself. And sometimes uh, friends from work would come along and they're they'd bring their children and be shocked at what my tiny two-year-old could do compared to their older kids. Um, So my observation is that I, as a male, may let my kids take more risks while playing, but I think the result is better physical skills and confidence, which I hope translates into other aspects of life as well, Um, like making friends and schoolwork and stuff like that. Um, what I see on the other end... Wait, tell my watch. It said don't do that. Oh, your watch says don't do that, huh? Juliet, can you p- keep your hands off your brother, please? You want crackers? All right, I'll get you crackers. Yes, I'm having my kids uh, play the iPad as I record this uh, to keep them occupied and somewhat quiet. 
what I see on the other end, kids who have a mom who doesn't let them take risks, is self-doubt and fear. And that may sound a little harsh, uh, and I do appreciate that part of a woman. I understand that that feeling of wanting to protect my child from all harm. Um, I was at a play area with a friend and his kids one day, and they were all in a big foam ball pit having a good time when this older kid started to play too aggressively um, for the median age that was there, which was about three. Uh, this kid was probably around six and most likely used to playing with older kids. Um, so he stood on this big carpeted stage Mom, area. Huh? It's still Julie's turn. You need to wait your turn. Three more minutes, okay? So he stood on the carpeted stage um, area behind the foam pit, and when other kids would come near him, he would punch them in the face with a foam ball in his fist. Um, I saw him do this uh, to a couple other kids who would cry and run seeking comfort from their unwitting parent. Um, but when he did it to my daughter, I calmly walked through the pit and told him firmly that the game he was playing was inappropriate for the young kids around him and that he should find another way to play. I turned around and not more than five seconds later he did it to my daughter again and this time she hit her face on the hard carpeted ground. Um, and even as I'm recalling this story, my heart is pounding a little harder and the hair on my arms is standing up. Um, I'm not proud of it, uh, but as I ran to pick up my screaming daughter, um, I yelled at that kid. I, I yelled at somebody else's kid, which I promised myself I would never do because I remember as a kid being yelled at by people who were not my parents and it would just horrify me. I would scream bloody murder. I could not stand the feeling of being in trouble uh, with somebody other than my parents. But anyway, I couldn't stand to see her get hurt like that. So I yelled so loud that the room of about 50 people became perfectly silent. I yelled something about having already told him that it was too rough and that he needed to get out and bring me to his mother. Um, he jumped out of the foam balls and hid from me so I never resolved that issue, but I did see another parent uh, yelling at him about 10 minutes later, so I didn't feel so bad about it. And I think that leads nicely into the next topic, which is kindness and compassion. Um, I think that we can all agree that men as a whole are less compassionate. When my kids get a scraped knee or a stubbed toe, I try my hardest and can usually muster the compassion to give them a hug, calm them down, care for the wound as needed, give them a band-aid. Um, but what I see at the park um, a lot of times is, is different. Uh, for most dads I hear, uh, you're fine, stop crying, go play. That doesn't look too bad, just go over there and have some fun, you know, which the kid will normally respond to with, uh, I want my mommy. Um, and I have to admit that I have a very low tolerance for whining. Um, I have probably said 5,000 times, I can't hear you when you're whining. Use your big girl voice and tell me what you want. And sometimes my daughter will cry about something as trivial as not letting her wear her pajamas to the grocery store. And my response is, you can stay in your room and cry until you're done. And then you will put on your pants like a big girl and come downstairs. Um... And I know that uh, with her, um, this is something that I 
I, I really need to work on this because um, my compassion towards her, I can see uh, over a couple of days, leads her into better behavior. Um, and I've always struggled with the thought of, okay, if I give in to her when she's crying, then that is teaching her that crying gets her her own way. Um, and I don't want to teach her that, but at three years old, I just think that she's too young uh, to really understand uh, that concept, and maybe I'm being naive or whatever, but I, her behavior improves when I'm more compassionate towards her, and I, I really need to work on that. Um, so another thing that I've noticed uh, is home education. I've heard other mothers talking about having uh, an hour a day set aside for the kids to sit down and work on a workbook, copying letters, staying inside the lines, stuff like that. Uh, and when I heard this, I felt kind of guilty because I've never done that. Um, so I went on Amazon and bought a bunch of these dry erase laminated cardboard books that are awesome, by the way. Uh, the kids can do all the work in the book and then you can erase them and they can do the exact same thing the next day. Um, so you never have to buy new ones. But the attention span of my four-year-old is definitely not an hour long. Maybe if I could sit next to him the whole time, um, he could do it for a half an hour, maybe. Um, but I have two kids to help with these things, uh, so as soon as my attention is on my daughter, he slips under the table and disappears. And um, I have found that having several school skill activities in my arsenal is way better for my son. Um, I have them make letters and numbers out of Silly Putty, and I cut these shapes out of a, a shoebox. What, baby? Andrew, can you help her? Anyways, I, I have them make letters out of this. Uh, I cut some shapes out of an um, old shoebox. Um, and they can make every letter of the alphabet with these shapes. And uh, So I'll make it and then mess it up and have them remake it for me. And seems to have taught my daughter the alphabet a lot better than looking at a chart or writing them or whatever. Um, they also trace letters on a chalkboard and paint shapes in different colors on an easel that I keep outside. Um, I've also tried different songs to teach them numbers and also different child life skills like going to the bathroom before it's too late and what to do when they're scared. Uh, and I have to give kudos to the writers of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, by the way. Lots of awesome, short, and purposeful songs to teach with. Um, but I think the overall scheme of things, I probably spend way less time teaching school skills than any typical mom, and way more time outside. Um, and this is particularly due to the fact that my son has more energy in his little body than a nuclear power plant. We can spend an entire day at the park and he will still come home and enter tornado mode. Something that I think most moms have as an advantage over most men, uh, or at least me, is the drive to create order, or a pleasant space to live. My wife has this expectation that I will create a nice looking and smelling living space um, while I'm at home with the kids, and the expectation that I have for myself is to have most things put in their assigned space and clean floors. Um, it's very difficult for me to find time to scrub the toilets or kitchen counters or vacuum the stairs or 
and keep up with ever-mounting laundry and dish piles um, and mow the lawn and come up with meals that the kids will eat and keep their toys from becoming housewide tripping hazards. Um, I think the thing that hinders my motivation the most is the fact that no matter what I accomplish throughout the day, the only thing that gets noticed um, by anyone is what I did not accomplish. And from what I've heard, this is a pretty universal issue with spouses. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to my wonderful wife for encouraging me in my podcast endeavor and also for letting me sleep in on Saturday so I could stay up late Friday playing video games with another boy trapped in a man's body. This next section is a conversation I had with a friend of mine, Diogo, who I met at the park and uh, he is also a stay-at-home dad. He moved to the area the same month that we did, uh, but he moved his family from Portugal. Uh, which you might notice in his accent. Um, He has been essential in my podcast project. Um, He's very tech-savvy and has helped by finding data hosting sites and by encouraging me to keep moving forward, Uh, especially after he introduced me to Call of Duty Online and I lost all of my momentum, uh, as in I stopped doing the podcast completely and just played that during my downtime, which he felt a little guilty for, but not his fault. All mine. So I am at my friend Diogo's house, and uh, we will probably be interrupted a few times by my daughter because she is playing quietly at the moment, but will probably ask me a few questions pretty shortly. Uh, But anyways, uh, the topic for today is um, the differences between uh, men and women, how they parent as uh, the primary caregiver. Um, so the first thing uh, that I noticed as being a stay-at-home dad, uh, the difference was um, like going to the playground and how differently uh, women and men would interact with their kids. Is that something that you noticed too? Well, um, in my case, uh, actually Katrina as a background of um, uh, extreme sports and uh, growing up with her dad um, that is a professional surfer he got her to um, do a lot of like extreme sports and not be too uh, afraid Um, so she has pretty much the same uh, approach to risk as I do so uh, we let the guys explore in the park and fall and get up and clean themselves up sometimes with like um, People not agreeing with it, but it's what happens. Right. Yeah. So when they fall down at the park, you're more apt to um, let them get up on their own and brush themselves off and get back to playing uh, rather than, like, take a time out, have them, you know, sit down and talk about their feelings and <laughs> that no, no, sort of thing. No. Yeah, not, not like that. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I've, I've seen moms do that, you know, yeah. every single time their kid takes a tumble, they pick them up and yeah, yeah. oh I'm so sorry and I, from my perspective like that makes the kids more apt to uh, like start bawling every mm-hmm. single time they get a little scratch because I agree. Mm-hmm. they get affection yeah uh, I must say that Katrina sometimes when she thinks it, um, they got hurt that she goes and checks them out and they ask for her attention more than mine because I'm more like hands off when yeah. it comes to that but uh, but she's still considering like the 
I don't know if you can say, but the normal approach of women towards those things, she's pretty uh, um, more relaxed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have very little interaction with my wife at the park um, because she hates going to the park. <laughs> she absolutely hates it. Um, she would much rather be at home, uh, you know, working on a project or whatever, and I'm the one that takes the kids to the park because I really don't mind at all. I, you know, enjoy being outside and stuff like that. So another uh, big difference that I've noticed is at-home education and, uh, and like as far as like sitting them down and having them work on a workbook. Is, yeah. Do you? Yeah, we have different approaches in that too. She uh, is better at, at um, getting them to like sit down and, and she's the one who gets the like workbooks and her mom too she brings them here um does she work in education uh no but she was always really interested in in those things she she doesn't work in education but um that she's good about the alphabet and she does that song the abcs and uh, and she has the teaching songs that she sings to them and stuff she's she's more into that um, and I'm more into like we're playing with the ball or we're pe- playing with some with a box of cereal or something, and I use the word there to tell them and uh, ask them to repeat and yeah. stuff. So it's more like whatever comes and they show interest in. Right. It's what I try to approach and get some education through. Although I, I, in my opinion, <clears throat> these um, these years are more of like just having fun and just let them follow their real interests more than like trying to give them like education or alphabet or numbers of course it's good to introduce them to it Mm -hmm. but i'm not too worried about it there's going to be time for everything you know right and just for reference how old my kids um one is 19 months and the other one is going to be four in three months i totally agree that they're, you know, it's always good to prepare them um, for what's to come in, in school. But, yeah, I mean, they're never going to get to have all of this uh, free play time ever again. And they're never, you know, I think it's great for them to work on their imagination and their, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. social skills and, and you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, but in terms of education, what we... Um, worry about too is the contents that they have access to mm-hmm. in terms of like TV shows iPad apps and um, Nintendo uh, 3DS things that stuff that they touch electronic and other other not non-electronic too. we're kind of careful and we pick the the toys too like Scout, the dog, that's mm-hmm. like a leapfrog thing, and they have their small laptops, and you know. So we, although they're playing, they have access to like some. Right. And I, I think that a lot of um, devices have a really, are really great about letting you uh, filter out all, like you can set the, you can only download the games that you want, and they don't have access to download mm-hmm. other games that yeah. they want. And, yeah, like with the iPad, you can uh, go to your settings and block out the things that you don't want them to play. And, yeah, right. that's, mm-hmm. 
definitely important for them to not have access to stuff that's non-educational or disturbing. Yeah, right. <laughs> like YouTube videos that <laughs> Katy Perry and her boobs <laughs> bouncing up and down. Or even worse, the worst thing that has ever happened to my son was like he was having, he had the iPad and he um, he had uh, Gaddafi <laughs> on the streets of Libya, man. getting and, beaten to death. Yeah. <laughs> he saw it for a few seconds because we were like not listening to like cartoons, and we went there, and the guy he was still alive. He wasn't, but he was oh. pretty messed up. <laughs> So from then on, we understood how much the filtering is important. Yeah, mm -hmm. very. Oh, and another thing that I noticed that you guys do also um, with, like the gaming devices, is you uh, will require them um, to like do a, a math activity before they're allowed to. Mm -hmm. to play with the Nintendo like yeah. you know count my fingers tell me how many fingers I have up and and he doesn't get to play until he gets it correct mm -hmm. so I, I think that's good too to uh, give them incentives um, to educate and to learn by themselves too we vary that a little bit sometimes we say go build us a bridge with blocks and bring it here if it's a good bridge you can play right <laughs> it's not you have to make it better so another thing uh, that for for me was the most difficult thing about being a stay-at-home dad was um, doing the chores at home and not uh, sharing them quite as much as uh, when my wife and I were both working uh, when we lived in Michigan and um, we both felt like it was you know our responsibility to uh, do half and half mm -hmm. with the chores like if I was gonna mow the lawn um, you know, then she would do the dishes, and if I was going to do laundry, then she would mop the floors, or, you know, like, we would always trade that off, and when I became a stay-at-home dad, uh, full-time, I, she would come home and be like, wow, it doesn't look like you've done anything today, and my response would always be, yeah, but I'm watching the kids all day, and it's, you know, not easy to complete chores while you're entertaining and feeding and mm -hmm. and taking care of you know toddlers um but then I thought back to you know my mom did it and yeah. and her mom did it and you know they, it wasn't too difficult for them to keep the house clean while watching kids so why should it be for me and um right yeah I, I also grew up not having to do many chores mm -hmm. besides cleaning up my room and stuff and um, this uh, stay at home dad is pretty recent to me too it's, it's only like since October last year mm -hmm. so it's been like five six months something like that and we also used to sh sh share the chores and now they fall mostly on me but the good thing is that um, my wife is not very intense about it. Mm. She helps me out with some things like folding clothes and, and cooking. Um, but and I and when I do decide to do something that's very visible, like get the house really pristine, 
she she really acknowledges my effort and she's she's nice about it so yeah. it's not it's not it's not heavy I understand that she has a lot of work and she has her own company besides the inside job that she has that she works on too at night so she doesn't really have the opportunity to help me more but right. when she has time she does help so that's yeah. that's good I with my wife she um, is away quite a bit like she rarely is home from work before eight o'clock and mm -hmm. she has an hour between um, you know her getting home and the kids going to bed which is usually consumed by uh, her eating uh, you know a meal that I made earlier in the day for me and the kids and she has to reheat um, and then uh, nighttime routines with the kids um, mm -hmm. so and and then she's usually so tired that she has to go to bed you know after they've gone to bed so um, she really doesn't have the time to help me out um, with chores um, but I, I feed off of acknowledgement I you know like when I accomplish something it's important for me to have somebody say to me you mm -hmm. know that's I see you've done that and it's a good job you know mm -hmm. um, but I feel like a lot of the times uh, and not even just with my wife but you know with other family members and with my kids like you know I can work all day to accomplish the things that need to be done but all they notice is um, the things that I haven't done you know yeah I know and like, it's probably what we did to other people in in the past, yeah. our moms and to our oh wives when they were stay, when we'd stay at home. So it's like we're getting what we <laughs> deserve, <You're right. laughs> no, or what we did in the past, you know. But in that case, I'm I'm I, I feel I'm kind of lucky because she acknowledges the, the good things, yeah, yeah the, the chores because they're so annoying too do mm -hmm. or to get over with that she she understands that the reinforcement also helps the house yeah. stay cleaner <laughs> otherwise it's just slack yeah and yeah, my wife and they definitely have different qualities when it comes to interacting uh, with each other and how to motivate the other person to, to do something mm -hmm. it's very apparent for us so here is this week's science fact zombies are real uh, but you don't have to worry because the zombie apocalypse has only affected insects so far. Um, there's a fungus called the cordyceps that attacks the uh, nervous system and the muscles of an insect, um, which is what I think of when I think about zombies, um, a virus or a parasite that attacks the brain and makes you carry out specific tasks like roaming around and looking for brains to eat. Um, but in the case of the ant, uh, this parasite causes uh, the victim to climb upward um, until they reach a uh, suitable environment for the fungus to grow. Um, and watching this happen to ants is like watching zombies fumble around. Uh, they have a difficult time navigating and use their jaws to hold on to the plant they're climbing so they won't fall. Um, when other ants see them doing this, they are picked up and dropped far away from the colony. Um, when the ants get to uh, that perfect position for the fungus to grow, um, the fungus um, causes their jaw to clench down really tight and locks it in place so even when the ant dies, they won't let go of the plant that they're holding onto. 
Um, and then the fungus breaks through the carapace and grows out like a beanstalk. Um, then the the tip bursts with spores that float all around in hopes of infecting other ants. And there are hundreds of different cordyceps uh, species, um, each specific to one type of insect. In fact, there are four different types of cordyceps that are just for ants, which leads scientists to believe that uh, it's nature's way of keeping any one type of insect from taking over the jungle. Because um, the more numerous a species gets, the more likely it is to be attacked by this fungus. So thanks for listening, and uh, please let me know what you think of the show. <clears throat> My email address is Chief Home Officer Podcast. That's all one word at gmail.com. Um, I also have Facebook and Twitter accounts, and you can use that email address to find me. Um, I encourage you to send me suggestions for future shows, and if you're a stay-at-home father and want to be part of the conversation, let me know. I am open to your opinions and would love to hear from you. So, again, thanks for listening. Talk to you later.